everybody to the Spawn of Me podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. What up, what up, what up? This is episode 308 of the Spawn of Me podcast. I'm rocking with you from Portland, Oregon, doing my thing here. I want to give everyone a huge shout out in podcast land, out in broadcast land, out in Bracago world and in x-ray.fm land. Massive amounts of love to all of you for coming and hanging out with us this week and every week on the show. We got a fantastic whole bunch of content. Uh, I kind of ducked into my own cave uh, for the past week and a half because I needed to make sure that I got some rest after packs and everything else that was going down over the past couple of weeks. We had so much fantastic stuff that we got to share with you. Interviews with Greg Miller, with Pat Bear, with massive amounts of devs and everybody else from PAX. So again, thank you everybody who checked out all of our audio and YouTube content on all that stuff. So please make sure that you're checking out everything else uh, that you hear in the world from us at the Swan of podcast. This week, we have an amazing guest. I am really, really excited about who we are bringing to the table, who we are bringing to Bracago for the first time. Please, everybody in the chat, we got to throw on the music for it. My man, my mellow, the smoothest kind of fellow from the Constantly Calibrating podcast. We have Josh Silverman. How are you doing, Josh? How is everything going? I'm just, I'm, I'm watching the stream right now. And I just saw like the big splash screen. I'm like, I'm loving this. No, I'm doing well. I'm excited. This is great to be here. This is like, this is outstanding. I, I'm very excited to be on the show. If you can't tell, I'm, I'm just, Ooh, I'm yeah. vibrating with excitement. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you so much for rocking with me tonight. I'm really excited to have you. It's been one of those things of like, this is one of those beautiful moments where the internet comes together and good things happen, where it's yeah. like you meet people who are doing fantastic work and you're just like, holy crap, how can we do some collaborative stuff and how can we get together and, and rock mm -hmm. on, a, on a show together? So first of all, again, thank you so much for coming through tonight. Let the folks at home know about you and about what you've been doing in the in the industry for a while and definitely tell folks at home about constantly calibrating, which again, like if you're watching this on the chat right now and on, on us on Twitch and if you're listening on podcast land, please go subscribe and check out constantly calibrating. It's a fantastic podcast that does really great work. So make sure you're checking that out and making sure that you're giving them some love. So Josh, the floor is yours. Let the folks at home know about what the stuff that you're doing. I mean, you make me blush right before we actually get into this. It's like, wow, man. No, uh, uh, so constantly calibrating. We've been doing uh, seven and a half years. Uh, literally, this coming Tuesday from this uh, live show is actually episode 300 for the main show. We've been doing this thing for a while now. Uh, uh, main show is really just kind of like uh, pop culture. I explore conversations I, I with a, like a quasi-interview spin, I guess. We bring guests on, talk about... Whatever's happening with them, whatever's happening in the world, and kind of just see where we go from there. That's uh, one thing. We do uh, another show every week, which is our catch-all gaming podcast, which is all you can uh, you all you can get into with uh, myself and my co-host, my creative director of Constant Calibrating, Justin Stanley. We talk uh, uh, gaming. We'll, we call it a gaming news show, but it's really like more of uh, the Constant Calibrating water cool. Uh, where we just sit and we, we talk about the games we've been playing and uh, maybe, maybe if we have enough time, we get to some news and topical related things. Yeah. And yeah, 
And uh, we launched a show uh, this past weekend, which is our Fire Emblem podcast, the S-Rank Support Podcast, which is uh, the first seven episodes is going to be us discussing uh, Three Houses, our first playthrough in the game. And then we're going to see what people think of it and possibly expand out uh, the show from there. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. I love that. That's super, super cool. We kind of realized we were hijacking every show with Fire Emblem talk. <laughs> and like every show was talking, turning into like 30 minutes of Fire Emblem, three hours of talking. We're like, ooh, let's dial that one back and maybe, uh, maybe we create something specific. So we figured out a format. And uh, yeah, it's kind of turned into like my baby uh, show, you know? Yeah. So I want to, I want to talk about because one of the things that I love to talk to other podcasters is about is one, like, how you started the process of getting into it. What was the thing that kind of pushed you forward when you decided that you wanted to get into the space? And also what were some of the things that you wanted to do initially when you kind of jumped into the idea of wanting to do a show like this? Okay. So again, uh, seven and a half years when I jumped into this, it was a <laughs> podcasting was like a saturated market, but it wasn't like what it has kind of become, you know? Uh, so what, what I wanted to do was, so I went to this event in LA, uh, back in 2012, uh, called, uh, called lead up, which was, uh, Kevin Pereira had just left tack of the show and he wanted to do this like festival kind of event. So, mm-hmm. uh, my my well, my wife heard me talking about it, and all of a sudden, she surprised me as a Valentine's Day present with uh, um, like a like one night hotel stay and uh, tickets to this event. Went there and uh, ended up meeting a few different people. And uh, I don't know, it's like some comedy either Kevin Smith or Ken Pereira made on stage that was just like the generic thing you hear, which is if you have an idea, just do it. And Mass Effect Three was coming out in a few days, and I just texted my then best friend, and I was like, "So you want to like just." turn on a microphone and talk about mass effect three and <laughs> that's literally how the what the first show was and uh this was the, the, like the, the question of what was like the goal what was the aim that kind of thing there there was none it was just uh my friend and i like talking to each other and we just decided to just turn a mic on uh i didn't start having any kind of like goals in mind until um about two, a month and a half later I saw Rooster Teeth was having their second ever uh, RTX event, uh, RTX 2012, and I uh, saw they had media registration. And my understanding, reading that, was, oh, I get to go to the event for free. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I was just some idiot who didn't like know what media was or anything of that nature. And I thought, sure, I'll apply. And I got a, an email back about 18 to 24 hours later uh, from their PR that said. Uh, hi, would you like to have Bernie Burns and Matt Hullum on your podcast? Ooh, nice. And I'm like, cool. I've, n- I've never interviewed a human being before. Sure, that sounds fun. <laughs> I interviewed like a teacher once. So yeah, but uh, uh, had Matt Hullum on the show. Uh, and then we went to the event and I just discovered this whole other world through that of interviewing people and talking to people uh, that I wasn't an introvert, that I was actually an extrovert, mm. uh, that I wasn't a follower like I'd always thought my whole life, that I actually kind of like had a little bit of a leaderness inside me. And it actually started my interest in like PR and marketing as well. So yeah, it, that just then that just turned into I want to be, well, at that time I wanted to be the next Rooster Teeth. Then it was I want to be the next kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And then it, yeah, it's finally turned into I just want to be me uh and help people grow and that's where i'm at now which is i just want to help anyone i can succeed and if i can do something with uh, with myself cool but i just 
there's so many wonderful people in this space. I want to keep seeing them grow. Yeah, it's 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 the beauty of the the ability to kind of understand that this is a great space to one learn about the industry and two kind of be able to pull in more people when it comes to uh, conversations around things that you both really enjoy and also around not only the games that you like to play but the people in the industry that you like to to check out and hang out with so it's mm-hmm. like getting the chance to build on that and I, and I love the fact that you poked on some of the kind of internal uh, uh, parts of how this all works for folks who are learning mm-hmm. about the space. I am too an introvert and most people will never understand that I'm an introvert and will never guess that I'm an introvert <laughs> uh, from the way that I react and, and, and interact with folks in the world. But I'm totally an introvert when it comes to, to many things and most of the ways that I maneuver around people. Uh, really quick, I'm curious about that because what I've learned over the past six to eight years now that I've been in the industry is that there are so many introverted people within the video game industry who are in a front of lot. camera, who are you know producing content, who are making stuff. What's the conversations that you've had with other folks in that space about you know those small conversations that you have about like, hey, I'm feeling the same thing you're feeling, and we're in that same space. So I think the common misconception with introverts versus extroverts is most people think an introvert is a shut-in who doesn't want to leave their house and an extrovert is a person who's running around screaming, hey, look at me. And that's not what it is because the whole idea of it is it's where you um, it's where you derive your energy from, essentially. So you can be an introvert who is super outgoing. It's just your batteries aren't being recharged by talking to people. They're being drained and rapidly at that. You need to... You know, it's it, you need to retreat to your safe space. Your ho- you know, if you're in an event, your hotel room or mm-hmm. to your personal space, and uh, and and that's where you get your energy. And then there's the extroverts who get really fidgety if they're not talking to people. So they need to derive their energy. So they derive their energy from conversations, and they're always out there talking. That's I think that the most common misconception for me. Like I I skirt somewhere. I think the actual official term is like ambivert because. I can derive my energy from people or from solitude. So if you see me at any event, I'm probably running a mile a minute talking to absolutely every person I'm running. I'm at the bars at night. I'm pretty much waking up at six o'clock in the morning and not getting back to my hotel room until two to three a.m. almost every single night, constantly talking to people. But what you don't see, and I'm fine with that, what you don't see is when I get home after the event, I am a hermit for almost a week Uh, (laughs) i barely want to talk to people on on like on twitter i barely want to be aware of the damn world it's it's uh yeah so that seems to be a very kind of common thing with a lot of people i've talked to who they're like yeah i work in pr and i do these massive presentations but that's a different kind of energy yeah is what is what you hear from them like being on a panel it's like terrifying for an introvert a lot of the times but at the same time it's like if you're a public speaker. You 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 learn ways to uh, to uh, uh, hold off your energy so you don't consume it all during that one thing, and then you, you probably recharge your batteries like crazy at, when you get home. Yeah, yeah. It it definitely takes a lot to be able to get those batteries recharged and start the mm-hmm. process over again. I know that um, when I was at E3 this year, it was constant. It's like every night you go into the bar, you're doing it, you're networking, you're working the floor, you're doing all that stuff. What's the process been for you in terms of you and and the show of 
kind of growing the, your, your, your brand and also growing the, and leading into the content that you've been looking to make. I feel like one of the things that people always try to figure out when they're first starting the process of podcasting is what's my niche? What's the thing that I want to kind of bring to the table? What's that been for you at constantly calibrating? And what's that, what's that process been like for, for, for you on the show? So I was an idiot for the first few years of the show where I didn't think about what my niche was like, you know, honestly, if we, um, if we wanted some success, we probably should have actually like early on, we should probably stay doing a mass effect show and just continue doing that instead of, uh, trying to become the next rooster tooth podcast or nerdist. We, we, we were, we were chasing instead of uh, leading for the longest time. It wasn't until three to four years in where I started realizing, okay, we need to make a space and pretty much the way I've just tried. And it, it took me until the last two to two or so years to kind of nail it down. Um, oh, my thing is about positivity. Um, I was a negative, not great person to be around for a long time. And then uh, I turned 30, uh, five months after my first kid was born. And I just looked at this, like this, like little five month old. And I'm like, I can't be this POS to you. Mm. I can't be this garbage human being. Uh, I can't be, you know, like my, like, like my, my own father was to me, you know, kind of thing. I, I can't be this person to you. And I decided I'm just going to, I'm going to almost try to force positivity in my life. Like that huh. was kind of, but like, I guess the best way I could serve it. And then um, I discovered when I start being more positive, crazy thing, uh, constant calibrating, starting getting more opportunities, bear punch, my, my own brand started getting more opportunities. I started making friends in the industry. It started going from, Hey, please, please, please come on my show to me. Just kind of at a bar talking about the show and someone like, Oh, cool. I would love to come on that. Yeah. Like, I think it was like suddenly this, this massive shift in, uh, and stuff. So I, when I started noticing that in my personal life, in my professional life, I was like, now how can I transfer this to the podcast as a brand? Because yeah, we were kind of uh, on the show, these negative a-holes kind of, you know, not nice, uh, with our things it was always like you know you're just just complaining about stuff and just going on these rants and i would and i would listen back to the show and it's just like this toxic not we weren't that, we ended up, we, okay no we weren't that bad we weren't like toxic let's make me clear like we, we still had a lot of good points and stuff like that but it, a lot of the stuff was just like complaining for the sake of complaining without merit or substance to sure, it sure is what it was and i i started not liking that so i just kind of just said look we can complain about stuff but how can we fix it? What would we do differently? How can we how can we uh, apply advice to that? And then it turned into this like search for positivity. So now, if you listen to most of the content I do, you're probably not going to hear many like straight up negative reviews from me on games or movies or whatever the topic I'm talking about is because I look at the people who are making the stuff. I look at the people who are consuming the stuff. And so a very long, long answer is. My niche is I want people to look at the good in the world because we live in a really not great world right now. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the power of positivity, I think a lot of people kind of poo poo it and they kind of like dig into it as a negative thing to say, I'm trying to put out positive vibes into the world and trying to put out positive things out into the space. Mm -hmm. But it feels like you now find yourself sticking out from the crowd more when in a world and in a gaming industry and a gaming community, 
that is filled with toxicity and filled with people who want to be more quick than right uh you find that you know being able to speak truth to that stuff and, and kind of give good vibes to people definitely uh sets you apart once you started to do that process and you said it kind of helped you to stick out and kind of help the show grow did you mm-hmm. get feedback from not only people in the industry but from folks in your community about how that kind of affected them um yeah i mean the thing is i went from where I didn't get feedback for a long time. Like we had some people in our community. We had some people who would join us for conversations. We had some people who would, um, uh, you know, it would come around and you know all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, it was quite a few years of silence. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of feedback. Not a lot of discussion. What I noticed was when we made the shift was, oh, now people are are actually talking about stuff. Uh, at almost every event I go to now, at least one person like actually will take me aside and like say these really nice things to me about, hey, I love the way uh, you guys talk about stuff and this 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 flow of things. And it, I wasn't sure about your show because to be blunt, like our show is uh, most of our shows are, are they're planned, but they're very loose. Sure. And some people aren't sure about that because you know you only have so much time to a lot uh, in your day, understandably. And there's a lot of entertainment options out there, and there's a lot of news options, a lot of things. So why come to us and what people will say to me is you know but uh, i see you promoting it i come into the show and i'm like wow the way you talk about things uh it makes me feel good by the time i leave and that's by the way like one of those amazing (laughs) meaningful (laughs) things in the world um i it happens at maybe yeah but most events i think it's happened at about three different events this year that i've been to somebody's taking me aside and pretty much made me cry in a bar uh (laughs) oh that's great oh no it's wonderful uh but yeah, it's just like those those uh, those kind of things. Yeah, it's it's um, I try to think about that stuff often, right? Where it's like, how can you, in the amount of time that you can, because of course, like all this stuff is a lot of work. Like I am sure that if you were to tell people how much time you put into the show every week of the process of getting guests, the process mm-hmm. of, you know, doing the social, the process of getting, you know, recordings done and then doing all the parts after that. Like if you were to think about that in terms of how much time you spend, what would that number kind of look like? <laughs> um, too much. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, possibly too much time. Uh, I mean, we let's see. Um, podcast wise, uh, so this the Fire Emblem show we recorded a bunch ahead of time, so that's not technically done weekly uh, for the actual recording. So we record about two to three and a half hours, depending of podcast a week, and then editing time. That's I listen to every episode. That is a bare minimum the same amount of time. So let's just minimum double that. So it's seven hours, and then social media stuff. I mean, I probably am spending. A minimum of 15 hours a week uh doing mm-hmm. this and I, I it probably hits more i'm just i think i'm trying to make myself feel better <laughs> right now <laughs> but it's, it's whenever people say to me it's like but you don't currently have like a job so why are you complaining about how long stuff takes it's like because it's not just because okay yeah so the editing the social media the getting guests we're talking 15 hours but you also have to take into account i do one of the shows is all about gaming what games we played i now have to make sure i play at least one game which i have two kids and most of the games i tend to lean towards for my enjoyment are not appropriate to play in front of them right so i have to play most of my gaming stuff uh, post bedtime my kids have terrible sleep schedules mm. 
so I don't start gaming until after 10 p.m., which is probably the only time I get to work most of the time, too. So it's it's this awkward, weird thing. Plus, you know, I don't make money off of this, so it's I can't really use it. The excuse of my wife of, hey, yeah, I need you to watch the kid, kids for eight hours uh, today because uh, <laughs> I'm going to go play. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go play Assassin's Creed Odyssey. You know, um, I, I can't really use the language. I can't say the language that is used in those situations. She does let me do that. I mean, she does watch the kids to do that sometimes, but I can't really use that with any regularity. Yeah, it's, I have learned that at this point in my life and in my marriage that I need to absolutely put the controller down when I get the look. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. all right, yeah, it's time to not do that so I don't get stabbed in my sleep. Uh, and that's totally fine if you, you know, you do that work and you get stabbed in your sleep because you don't because you don't do what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it definitely does feel like, hey, you know, once you are able to kind of wrap your around, wrap your brain around that stuff and then learn about, you know, what you can and can't do in the space and how much you can get done. Uh huh. You definitely do learn about some of the some of the best ways you can maximize your time and stuff like that. One of the things that I wanted to bug you about, and one of the things I absolutely love about your show, is the diversity of guests that you have. Mm -hmm. So you have that's the goal. Fantastic <laughs> guests that you've been able to snag over the years. I, I especially was digging through some of the most recent shows. Uh, you had my buddy from the Fan Control Football League, Pat Dees, was on the show. Shout out to Pat, who who's amazing, and I need to get up with him because he's fantastic. You had, I have been trying to get him to come back on the show, but he, he I have something about being busy with this league. I don't know. It's, it's all BS. I know. <laughs> trying trying to build a thing from scratch. You know how that goes. You know, mm -hmm, getting mm -hmm. Mike Tyson on the team and 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 <laughs> and all these other celebrities and Greg Miller and all this other stuff and you know Chad Johnson. Who knew? You know, Pat Dees. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Name some of the other folks you had on the, on the show so far, because I think that that's a, a huge accomplishment to be able to, to to tout all the folks that you've already gotten. So we've had like that's one of the things I also uh, I'm very excited about. So we have a diversity of different people and uh, different guests we have on the show. Um, I try to bring, I really try to be as inclusive as possible and just try to bring on anyone I know with any. Uh, my, so my my thing is with guests. Uh, do they have something they can talk about, and are they a passionate individual? And that's kind of where um, I you know. I start from so we've had anywhere from like people who might be considered on the smaller side of things like some local guys out here called bites and brews who are phenomenal uh we have had uh, uh nathan brandt from the new entertainment system podcast on the show recently i've had uh, voice actor uh sissy jones on oh, the show nice. sissy is ugh, one of my favorite people in the entire universe uh um alex Walton regan also you know uh, uh, by the way, as a Mass Effect fan who started a Mass Effect podcast, having people from Mass Effect on the show was mind blowing. Um, Chris Avalon's been on the show two times now. Uh, David Jaffe once upon a time. Like we've had people from all different walks of life yeah. uh, and, and around the industry and uh, and beyond. And it's uh, technically Greg Miller's been on the show. It's more that we <laughs> did an interview at a, at an event, and I'm just like screw this i'm putting this on the podcast feed you gotta do it because <laughs> he's the busiest man and i'm like i i okay i'm just gonna put greg on the on this feed why not we have been trying to still schedule greg's appearance on this show so and greg long. you keep ducking me greg it's okay i love you but you keep ducking me 
No, you're just busy as hell. It's all good. We got yeah. him, we snagged him in packs, but it's not the proper coming to Burkago moment. So I, I, I no, get that's you. the same for us. Well, we 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 talked to him at RTX every year, and I haven't had a proper Greg Miller interview yet, like the proper long form thing. Him and and Andy Salisbury are the people who just keep ducking me all the time because <laughs> Andy's busy with I don't know, like Ninja joining Mixer and some new initiatives in Mixer. Yeah, Minor things. you know, just you know, just doing stuff that, that's that's changing <laughs> the way that we look at streaming and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> who are some of the folks that you haven't gotten yet? Like you talked about Greg in in full in full spectrum. Who are some of the folks that you've been looking forward to snagging? Okay, who looking forward to? I mean, I mean, you were on my list for a while there, and you know that 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 is happening. So, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, so I'm very excited about. But no, uh, uh, let's see. Let me think for a second. I have wanted to have like mark mir on the show for long form and jennifer hale both sides of shepherd uh i did do an interview with mark at an event a few years ago and uh i banned at this event started playing in the middle of the interview and literally the audio was just gone so it's just like okay can't release this um uh, but like both of them <laughs> like voice actors uh i like talking to the voice actors a lot um uh, I was trying to think. It's just more people in like the PR field as well. Like that's the thing is I have generalized like ideas of types of people I want to have on the show. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Actually, I'm, I'm trying to remember that I do have a list here that I want to. I, there's someone I, like in the back of my mind that I can't remember who it is right now. And it's bugging me. It's so always like that when, when when people put you on the spot to be like, who are the people that you want to have in your show? No, I, that's like that's I always, always do that too. I'm just like I don't. Re- I kind of remember. I don't remember, oh. but then I also do remember some of the stuff. It always oh, comes I've, back to you at some point. There it is. Okay, there's a fr- there's a friend who does some work with us helping me get guests. Uh, uh, so like yeah, um, uh, Andrea Renee, one on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Friendly with her, but never had her on a show. Uh, would love to have like a Freddie Prince Jr. Is one of like a bigger name. Uh, I just I, I don't really know much about necessarily what he's doing nowadays, but he was an important part of my childhood and like did also <laughs> Mass Effect stuff. Uh, Corey Barlog. Uh, uh, actually, one of my dream guests to get back in the show. She was on it. She was on one of our first episodes, I think episode forty three or forty four. Uh, Ashley Birch. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, she yeah, she was on the show a long, long ago because she actually grew up with my wife. But, oh, I didn't uh, know that. That's awesome. Yeah, she grew up with the Birches, so uh, <laughs> it's one of my weird not claim the names, <laughs> like name claim the name dropping. <laughs> I, na- I name drop the person who's kind of close to me, but maybe not as close as they should be, but kind of well, close though. Well, the, the weird thing about that story is Sissy Jones, whenever I see her at an event, she's always with another voice actor. You know, they're doing something and she always like, oh, this is uh, this is this is Josh, uh, his wife, knew Ashley, uh, knew, knew Ash. And I'm like, why are you telling this name dropping story? <laughs> <laughs> like, I appreciate it, but it's also like. Even I'm bit, like only barely comfortable. <laughs> hey, I, I name drop people all the time at this point. I'm just like, F oh. it. I don't care. Why not? We're, we're podcasters who interview people. Of course you do. <laughs> you got, you kind of have to do it. You kind of have to do it. One of the things mm-hmm. we have to do as well is we have to take a quick two minute break. Everybody here on the podcast feed, everybody here on the Twitch feed. We'll be back in two minutes. We are rocking with my man, my mellow Josh Silverman from constantly calibrating. We'll be right back after this.
What's good, Bricago? We are back for episode 308 of the Spawn on Me podcast. Again, if you missed the first part of the show, you are out of your mind. You are losing out on the dopeness that is Josh Silverman from Constantly Calibrating Podcast. What are you doing? You make sure you go listen to that first part of the show. <laughs> so what we do here in Bricago is, of course, we talk to magical, mystical, wonderful people in terms of our guests, but we also dig into news of the week, things that you need to know in conversations that have been happening in the gaming industry, in the gaming world. One of the things that we saw this week which freaked me out and just made me want to throw a controller was <laughs> seeing another woman on Twitch getting banned for just having on clothes. It's amazing to see how Twitch is botching this. We are Twitch ambassadors here at Spawnomi. We are on the platform. But we also always want to make sure that we're keeping uh, folks who are giving us these opportunities feet to the fire so that we understand that we are kind of doing the work that we should be doing. So uh, Kuko was uh, a streamer or she is a streamer uh, on the platform. She was streaming on September 15th um, and she was cosplaying as Chun-Li. She had on the kind of usual Chun-Li garb, which... um, is a kind of a, a, an upper blouse with a skirt on and the skirt had a slit in it. Um, and she sat in a chair. She was starting her stream or she was doing her stream. She sat in a chair and I guess moved her camera to kind of get a more full body shot. And Twitch flagged that as being suggestive, sexually suggestive content. And they banned mm-hmm. her stream, which was the most unreasonable thing I've seen in the space in a while. Josh. I mean, don't you know thighs are dangerous? Like women, women's thighs—they—they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're so dangerous to mankind, or some crap. <laughs> you would th- you would think that it was like a like thighs or WMDs or something. Like you would think that it's like some yeah. whole other thing that we just haven't seen humans have in the space. So we've seen Twitch do this on a couple of occasions. They've kind of gone into this other spot where they've said we are both the fashion and the content police. Um, And it feels like they've been one, not doing this for everybody because we've seen the conversations around folks who have been racist or misogynist Mm -hmm. or all those things. And they've not kind of dropped the hammer on those folks, or at least they've given them slaps on the wrist. (laughs) Dr. Disrespect. Um, (laughs) But you see Koku kind of come through doing her, her Chun-Li cosplay. Um, and she gets a, a ban for a certain amount of days. She gets a three-day ban for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Josh, I'm really curious to understand it, and, and please tell me what I'm missing within this story so that I can understand what the hell's going on. Oh, you've got the wrong guest on to tell you what I'm what you're missing because I'm asking the same questions here. Like, I I don't get anything about the story. I don't get anything about the choices. It's like she's just showing some leg, and what's the the big deal? I mean, I. My question. So my question is, if a guy showed that much thigh or something like that, would would that be a three day ban? Yeah. Um. You know, if if so, you know, if someone else did it, like, what what would be the deal here? My big issue just with Twitch is the inconsistency of all of it. Right. Like, it, okay, here's the thing. If if this wasn't allowed, cool. But I've also seen people do, you know, show this much skin regardless of gender. I've seen people show this this much or even more skin before, and it's not even a slap on a wrist. They, 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 there's no reaction. There's no nothing whatsoever from you know smaller and bigger name people. So why is this or these latest like particular ones kind of uh, 
hitting it, um, you know, or, or getting hit so hard with this and getting so much attention on it. The and thing, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the thing that bugs me out, to be honest, is you see folks who are doing full butt naked body painting on Twitch, right? They're yeah. not naked, but they have, they're like painting their bodies in a way that you can see pretty much what you are able to see. Mm-hmm. And, they, and folks don't get banned for that kind of stuff. I really doubt if it was a dude, if they were going to do any of that work too, that's not going to no. happen because it's not a thing that happens on Twitch or in most, in most uh, streaming places, most streaming services that, that deal with gaming, you don't see that kind of pushback in those ways either. The thing, like what you said, what you shared that is the most infuriating is the fact that I don't know at this point what the rule sets are really doing. Like, no. I, as a, uh, I was talking to someone, um, the other day about this and I was talking about them actually at work today. And I was like, uh, the thing that makes it really difficult is as an ambassador for the platform, I am very lucky. Like they gave me this title for this year, for 2019, we've been given some perks to be able to do some stuff and some activations that we've been able to do. One of the things that is a part of that process, or at least a part of the ideas around that process is as an ambassador, you're trying to help people learn about the platform. You're trying to help people kind of be ingratiated to the platform and making them feel like, hey, if I've never streamed on Twitch, what's the things that I can do to get better? What are the ways that I can learn how to maneuver and around the system? And when it comes to safety, when it comes to uh, uh, checks and balances, when it comes to the ability to tell people, like, if you do this, you'll get banned, so don't do it. But if you do this, you'll be fine. I can't even tell people what the hell to do anymore because I literally don't know. (laughs) I don't know, besides what's in the terms of service, what other small infractions are going to get you banned. I know that you are, are streaming often. You stream primarily on Mixer, correct? Primarily a mixer, yeah. Uh, for a bunch of different reasons, we switched over to mix, yeah. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the process been like over there in terms of? Because I've seen a lot of conversations around, and this happened even before Ninja made the big move. Was sure. that uh, mixer itself was doing really really well with kind of showcasing and talking about. Um, you know, how their terms of service were going to work for folks and how they were going to keep people safe in terms of their safety guidelines. Well, yeah, they've had pretty like ironclad, like uh, the terms of service and then other other rulings and stuff like that. When Ninja popped over, there were a lot of people, uh, primarily Twitch people who were responding and because they just discovered because Mixer has very strict rules about their ratings and what you're allowed to wear to the point that at least when I joined, I don't, I haven't actually looked at it that close in a while, but when I first joined at the beginning of 2018, mm-hmm. uh, it straight up showed you a, 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 a mask, a male body and a feminine body. And it showed you kind of like for every, every rating, how much skin uh, could be shown and what kind of outfits were allowed. Interesting. People discovered this when Ninja joined and like, oh, Mixer's keeping women down because their women are allowed to show skin. And here's the thing. Uh, yeah, the, the women's rules were, I think I've always said a little more strict than they needed to be even going up to the uh, the 18 plus level. They're a little stricter than they need to be certainly compared to uh, what men are allowed to do. But at the same time, the rules are there. Right. So if somebody violates the rules, you report and it doesn't even take like a mass report. You report and it's investigated. Right. Also, if somebody's not breaking the rules, they're totally within the guidelines and some, you know, D bags come out and just start mass reporting. Guess what? Mixer actually checks 
to see if the person was violating the rules and they just say nah they're good right um and that's one of the things i love about mixer is they have a they have a set of rules whether you agree with them or not they have a set of rules you can check them easily they actually now for new people you have to pass an onboarding before you can get your stream key interesting uh-huh so like the rules are spelled out for you interesting um, and if you violate them sucks to be you versus twitch where yeah they've got some rules laid out they've got some stuff there are they going to be followed i mean again uh, you know someone broke california law earlier this year whoops who cares <laughs> oh yeah i mean yeah you can you can you can, <laughs> you can film in a bathroom now from what we hear and still and still keep your channel break mm-hmm. an actual law but my but my thing is also besides the inconsistency of the way that the rulings go down the other part of the process that is really infuriating is the fact that i love the fact that twitch will send out lots of information about products that are happening within the ecosystem Mm -hmm. they'll tell you when new uh, tools are coming that you'll be able to kind of help build out your streams we got a whole bunch of stuff when september came out subscribe to the podcast please Uh, (laughs) but when it comes to things, when it comes to uh, conversations around enforcement of rules, it's very difficult to find a person that is specifically tasked with being the face of that communication to the rest of the community. Like I understand in, in lots of ways that, of course, we know that the gaming communities in multiple forms and fashions don't really deal well with authority. They don't necessarily deal well with nuance, but the conversations around uh, keeping people safe on the platform and also kind of making sure that people know where they stand has been super lack lackluster over the past couple of years specifically. Mm-hmm. And I'm again, like, I don't want anyone at Twitch to be the person to have to stand out in front of the, the firing squad when it comes to getting all the vitriol and getting all the the terrible feedback that that they would probably get if there was a position like that. I'm just curious to, to, to understand, like, what does that mean when you don't have that go-to person, or at least if the platform itself isn't really clear about where the, 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 where the lines are drawn, like what line Mm -hmm. is drawn in the sand. When you, when you think about, you know, moving, you've already made the move over to Mixer for multiple reasons. But when you look at it from the outside looking in, what are the folks like, what are the folks over on the Mixer side of things talking about and how are they kind of digging into and disseminating some of that information? Do you feel like they're doing a a, a much better job of telling people besides what's already been in the terms of service, like what's coming down the pipeline or are they, how transparent have they been when they've been able to, to do bans or, or to do uh, uh, pull people off the server? So where I'm at a mixer, I'm not like a partner or anything like that. Um, at, at my level of things, the only reason I hear about anything mixers doing is because I'm friends with a lot of partners who occasionally tell me things. And then I also am friendly with some people who work for mixer who, I hear something here or there kind of stuff. In general, Mixer isn't necessarily super transparent with passing down the pipeline, like why, well, the thing is, I actually can't remember offhand like a major ban happening Mm -hmm. of somebody like that. That's the thing. There hasn't been like some equivalent to this case or some equivalent, justified or not. Like there hasn't, there's nothing I can really think about, at least in the last few months that's striking me. So there has been a a much of that, uh, 
you know, you see people, you know, you hear see people talking about um, comparatively like Mixer versus Twitch, like how Mixer would do things differently. Right. There's that kind of stuff. But now they're, they're not super transparent. Yeah. Uh, but that I, but I'm not sure what there is to necessarily now as far as features go. Uh, we, we, we hear nothing, uh, at least of where I'm at. I hear nothing until it pops up on uh on mixers uh twitter <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i reached out to some folks behind the scenes and i'm hoping that we'll be able to have some conversations we're still looking for some way to bring people onto spawn on me to talk about some of these conversations in real ways and you know we'll figure out wonderful. ways to be able to do that either behind the scenes also it's one of those things that i would love to have seen them take some time because next week uh i should say when this is airing this week uh, TwitchCon is going to be happening from Friday to Sunday. It would be a perfect time to have a symposium about what they're doing in terms of giving people better responses and giving people better ways to understand where they kind of sit on the platform and how some of that stuff is working. Cause I think everyone would sit with bated breath to be like, what is actually happening here and how we, how can we be better about this? And are you, you know, saying one thing and doing another? So I'm hoping that that's going to be a thing that, excuse me, that they figure out in, in, in some short, short amount of time. Uh, I just want more, more clarity and transparency is, is maybe just agreeing what you said. I mean, yeah, I just I know I just said Mixer isn't super transparent on these things, but it's also the difference of Twitch is the leader by a extremely wide margin, right? By an incomparable margin. Just just stop being silent, stop being quiet. Just say what what's going on and say what say say what your rules are, and stick by them. And if there is a special case, what is the special case you're making? Because mm-hmm. you know, sometimes there actually is a reason to to do or to not do something in business there is certainly a reason to do it just I, I there is a way to be open and honest without hurting your bottom line yeah and also trying to keep your people safe right there's got to be ways yeah. to be able to do that because i feel like yeah of course we Ugh. want people to be safe i want mm-hmm. everyone at twitch to be safe who's dealing with and seeing all these bad and terrible things there was an article some months or years ago about the people who have to moderate stuff that happens on facebook and i would never want that job that's an awful job but nightmare fuel nightmare fuel but we're, we're gonna pivot Twitch, we, we want you to do better. We're hoping that you're going to do better soon. Um, someone who is trying to do better and being a little bit more transparent than we probably expected him to be is Hideo Kojima. <laughs> uh, Hideo Kojima talked about his massive online battle royale game, Death Stranding. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> that's going to be coming out soon. And he had this really kind of, I will say it was a dope moment of transparency that we don't see often from developers. I know that a lot of people in the industry and a lot of people during the scuttlebutt of having the conversation about what he said, um, didn't like it. But what he did say was a couple of days ago, he said, Death Stranding won't really get fun until players get halfway through the game. He says that adding that they will feel lost to begin with and that the feeling is intentionally part of the game's overall design. Uh, and it's one of the games that he's made since uh, leaving Konami. That to me, I, actually, I'm actually I'm going to step back for a second. I want to hear your thoughts about Kojima basically saying the beginning of the game is going to be pretty boring and still caught my joint like like still caught still caught my game even though the beginning is going to be pretty damn boring what's 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 your thoughts on that so my first like so okay um when i first saw that get discussed like when I, that that 
that quote first came out, all I saw was like the, the, the Twitter post somebody had made, like just kind of paraphrasing it. The game doesn't get fun until 50% through. And I had this flashback to Final Fantasy 13 when people were trying to sell me on playing it and be like, don't worry, the game, the game really sucks. It's just, but it's only the first 40 to 60 hours. <laughs> and I'm like, and I remember just looking, and this was around the time I shifted from this hardcore JRPG player who played 100-hour games like they were nothing to, you know, I, I I think I was in the process of getting married at that point, and I'm like, and I'm busy, and I'm getting more busy with stuff, and I was, I had gone back to college, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't have 60 hours to waste on something that is uh, uh, supposedly terrible <laughs> until I get through that, and it was just like a fascinating thing, so I just like had this moment uh, hearing this, but... Uh, reading more into it I, I get what he's going for and it's not that the game it's not that the game is gonna be uh uh terrible like that's that's right what the it, it, what he's saying is the game is gonna be confusing and maybe not for everyone now that makes me think of a different game i've been playing recently uh ancestors oh yeah a- ancestors drops you into a world with practically no tutorial no information uh, i think as patrick klepik wrote uh, a review that he was it more or less it boiled down to this game is not made for me right that game was made for me. um i i enjoyed not knowing anything about what i was doing in that experience so i went from a person i'm not a hideo kojima fan i um i've played metal gear i played metal gear on the nes rent a barter from a friend when i was a kid and then i didn't play anything else he did until metal until ground zeros and, and then a little bit of maybe like 10 or so hours of uh metal gear solid five so right i, I am not one of those kojima you know uh, fanatics or anything like that so uh but here's the thing his his whole thing that the, the game might be uh uh a little confusing and tricky to get into and it's going to take you 50 percent to really understand what's going this is literally the first time i've been interested in death stranding right like i'm just like this is my jam like right. okay a game that's gonna like uh, that's not gonna hold my hand and it's just gonna be like hey this might be shitty <laughs> yeah yeah right like the thing that i the thing that i actually came a- away with that quote and i was on twitter talking about it a lot was like i really appreciate the fact that kojima after all these years of this game being clouded in secrecy with it not being well shown in terms of what Mm -hmm. you're going to be able to get in that game. And also people still like to this day, I still don't know what I'm supposed to do or get when I pay $60 for that game. I literally (laughs) still don't know what's supposed to happen within this game that is supposed to be so mind blowing and so amazing and so fantastic as a Kojima joint. But what I do appreciate is the fact that unlike most developers, he fessed up to the fact that he's like, yo, this game is going to be kind of not that dope in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It'll get there. And if you rock with it, you will be rewarded in some form or fashion with some of the (laughs) gameplay stuff that you'll get. I am a a not Final Fantasy fan. So like I have been through many a game when I have tried to play games in that series and people have done that same thing of being like yo it's gonna get better it's gonna get better it's gonna get better and i'm like yo fam it's like 40 hours in i've been playing this thing for god knows how long it's not getting better when's it gonna get better (laughs) and people again people can't answer the question it's like when you ask people uh they're like when you if you don't have kids and they're like you should have kids and i'm like but why they're like because you should have kids and I'm, and I'm like, well, there's not an answer. You have to give me like an parent, answer. As a parent, I'm just going to say, when somebody says, 
uh, when somebody who's a parent says you should have kids and doesn't have a viable response, the reason is suffer with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love my kids. Let me be clear. But that's the, when, when somebody says that to you, it's it's because I need someone else to complain with because my wife or spouse is really sick and tired of me t- saying that I want to feed the kids to wolves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's my thing is like Kojima is at least and especially and the thing I actually yep. really appreciate alongside that is. Uh, one of the biggest complaints that we constantly see from folks in the community and, and for, especially from the consumer side of the fence is that you remember when bull shots used to be a thing when everyone was like, oh, used to uh, this game doesn't look exactly like what it looked like in the screenshot or uh, this trailer is CG as opposed to gameplay. Uh, the conversation of like we keep getting uh you know, screwed on the version of the game that gets marketed to us. And then what actually comes mm-hmm. out, we've seen this weirdly in the, the, the NBA 2K20 conversation a lot in the past month, but Kojima's coming out early and saying, Hey, this is what you're going to get. And I would think this would be a rallying thing for most people who are consumers to be like, yo, Kojima, that's kind of dope. I appreciate the fact you said that it doesn't it doesn't make I still don't know if I want to purchase your game, but I still want to understand that you I still appreciate the fact that you came out and was like, this is what you're going to wind up getting for your money. I feel like that's a good thing. Well, I mean, it's harkening back to what we literally were just talking about in the previous discussion with Twitch and stuff like that and and transparency in business. I mean, he straight up said, you know, this game is not for everyone, which is not something you hear in this industry at all. It's all about marketing. It's all about straight up whoring out your game to try to get as many consumers. I mean, how many times have you purchased a game because on paper you, you're reading all, you know, uh, either purchase the game or you've asked for a review code kind of thing. And you're like, cause you're reading those, that fact sheet or you're watching those trailers. And it's like, this game has this. Oh, I love this. It has this. I love this. It has this. I love this. And then you go hands on the game. It's like, wait, why did I buy another tactical RPG? I don't play these. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's what, but because the marketing didn't show you that specific aspect because they're trying to sell you on something else. Right. This is a case. He's just like, this is my strand genre of games. You might like it. You might hate it. I don't know. This is what it is. And yeah, it's confusing as hell uh, stuff. But he's also just saying, you know what? It's it, it's a game. And it, look, right, all I'm going to say is right now, what he gave us in that quote there yeah. in that, that that interview or whatever is more information than we've ever had about this game. It is. <laughs> so it totally again, is. I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if I'm going to buy it. I don't, I, I don't know uh, in what capacity I'm going to play it, but it did take me from being like, uh, I have two percent interest to you know. Okay, I'm gonna play this at some point yeah. in some capacity. Yeah, like the things I still know is that you look like an Amazon worker because you have a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> on your back. You don't get to look at Norman Reedus's crotch, and he'll punch you in the face. And you get to wear a baby on your chest that's that's put in in liquid. That's like mm-hmm. you get a you get a poached baby on your chest, and then you get the rest of the stuff that's alongside the game. I still don't know what this game is supposed to be. Hashtag, mm. hashtag poached baby on your chest. Um, poached baby. <laughs> so I have no clue what's supposed to be coming on with this game, but I'm excited for it still. Like I have no reason to be excited for it besides it's a Kojima joint, but I'm still excited anyway. Anywho, last story for this episode. Uh, we're going back to June. We're going back to E3. E3 uh, has been doing some really interesting uh, stuff alongside 
uh leaking everybody's information who <laughs> who went to the show alongside that part of the thing mike futter my over at oh god mike futter over oh, at game yeah. game daily biz shared some information about a leaked memo that came out uh from the esa talking about what they're planning to do with the festival for next year so folks who are familiar with e3 you mostly know that it is a trade show that most folks in the gaming industry will go to because there are folks on the business side who have to make deals and there's folks on the press side who have to cover the games that are going to be coming out It's the biggest store is the biggest uh show uh of the year in terms of gaming the esa uh, runs that show and what they've been trying to figure out is how can they be better in terms of growing what that show is going to be. So uh, it's moved from that trade show uh, to now kind of being more of a influencer and uh, 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 fan show. So that has been interesting. Um, I don't know if it's working. Uh, yet it's an interesting kind of idea that's happening, but I don't know if it's actually worked. So it was a pitch deck that was, that was shared there. Um, and some of the things that were the most interesting aspects of it, I'm kind of looking through the article really quick. Sam. Um, they talked a lot about the power of social good in some of the decks. They've talked about how they want to amplify social good in the gaming space. Uh, they talked about how they wanted to, and this is really interesting because this is the thing that I feel was the, the biggest part of the conversation and shout out to everybody who just joined the chat. Um, paid media partnerships was an interesting part of the conversation. Uh, they said they want to create paid uh, media partnerships with major outlets that uh, exponentially increase the reach of E3 and its exhibitors. Uh, it talked about enabling the ESA uh, to control content and their message. Uh, and it also talked about kind of bringing in folks like CNBC, which they did last year uh, and gave them a, a kind of a spot on the floor to talk about some of the stuff they want to do. So going back to that initial bullet point, which is create paid media partnerships with major outlets. Here's the thing yep. that makes that bugged out. If you're not paying attention, mm -hmm. one of the biggest issues or biggest problems that you that you've heard about that doesn't exist is the media being paid for coverage and the uh, gaming media skewing their conversations because they're being paid by different uh, gaming companies for stuff. We all know that most folks who are worth their salt in the gaming industry, that is a huge conflict of interest for you to be able to Absolutely. pay for any of the stuff that you're uh, getting in terms of coverage. Most people aren't supposed to take gifts. Most people aren't supposed to take um, uh, games for, uh, for pay you're supposed to talk about uh and disclose if you've been given uh lodging or you know any of that stuff transportation any of those things the fact that now e3 is looking specifically to add that into the mix of who's going to be a part of the show is monstrous that is a huge fuck up on their part to put that in a deck <laughs> to say that that's going to be a thing that they are trying to do. Josh, I know that you have been following E3 for a very long time. Oh, yeah. What is your thoughts about E3 kind of one moving again even further into the idea of being a more influencer and uh, a fan show? And then secondarily, how they're thinking about adding press 
in paid capacities. Okay, so I mean, the moving away from the trade show thing, I, I like many people, you know, grew up hearing about the mythical land that was E3, the Electronic Entertainment Ex uh, Expo. I, I, you know, I, I, I spent most of my, I guess it was like my late teens into my 20s, like, I one day will go to this, this, this magical place. And, uh, you know, when they opened it up as a fan thing, I was like, okay, that's... Um, Okay, that's an interesting choice, but it was like okay, I, I kind of I, I kind of get what they're doing, uh, but it still seemed like they're going to still focus on the industry side. They're mm -hmm. still going to let industries do stuff, but it's just expanded more and more away from that. Um, I just don't know why E3 is a fan event in the United States even exists because we have PAX, right? Which does it a thousand times better, right? So the the fan side side of thing, I I, I just don't get whatsoever and. Uh, I didn't get to go to the show floor this year because I told the story in constant calibrating. Um, so I last minute decided to go to E3 um, and I just uh, decided just to show up because they'd never responded to my original press request. And I just went to the press booth outside and I said, hey, yada, 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 this is my show. I had, uh, you know, uh, press credentials last year. Uh, I just wanted, you know, see about possibly getting that again. And they asked me to pull my iTunes and uh, I had two less iTunes reviews. Oh, because no. the only requirement apparently was 20 reviews. Is it really only 20? That was all it was. That's interesting. Uh, unless they were just making up shit on the spot to just, you know, get, get me. I mean, I really don't know for a fact, but it was like it was such a minor thing, which okay, I'm happy about because then I wasn't doxxed, you know, right. In the end, so beneficial there. But uh, so I didn't get to go to the show floor. But what I heard from a lot of people was that they're just, you know, we already knew a lot of people pulled out, but the show floor felt really empty as far as stuff goes. Right. So from the fan event side of things, it's like, what are fans actually getting out of this? Meanwhile, what is the industry getting out of this? Because yeah, industry still has the closed door stuff, mind you. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, most booths that were there still had the, you know, their media station. So media and industry people can, you know, get their appointments and do stuff. But I, I, I just, I literally do not get the purpose of it being a fan event. And I get it less every single year. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. That, and here's the thing, like if you're, again, if you're new to the channel, thank you so much for, for dropping by tonight. Um, it's one of those things that if you are a fan of the industry and you're a fan of the uh, spectacle of what E3 means, then it is still, and I consider it to be the Mecca of video gaming. It's like the thing sure. that everyone still continues to, to, to wait on. It's the place where you get the most information in one shot. It's where people still are like a bucket list to be able to go to E3. We are lucky enough to have been going to E3 for the past like four or five years. But it is one of those things that like when I ask people all the time of like, would you ever want to go to E3? People instantly raise their hand and like, hell yeah, I would love to be mm -hmm. able to go to E3. The difference is now, if you are going as a fan, the show will be more for you than it has ever been uh, in comparison to what, you know, folks like myself and other folks in the media um would prefer like it's not a thing where we have beef with y'all it's not a thing like that i i want as many people to experience the stuff that i've been able to experience over the past couple of years because i'm still a fan of the gaming industry i still love the ability to be able to go and be excited and have those pins and needles and feel like really hyped to be able to go um but it is a very fundamental difference in the way that that will be for all of you at home 
who are going to be able to go to that show as as consumers and fans. The other side of that coin that we that we kind of alluded to and that was like really well done in the the piece on Games Daily by Mike is the conversation about how E3 and the ESA is going to treat potentially some particular folks in the media space, which again, like, I don't know how you do that and still consider yourself to be this kind of all seeing entity that is supposed to have rules and and supposed to kind of look out for the industry as a watchdog group when you're still, when you're kind of like breaking the rules and making it worse for the folks who are the folks who've made your show kind of the thing it's supposed to be like, let's not get it twisted. We love the fact that everyone has been watching it at home and I'm sure the ESA they get a lot of clicks and they get a lot of viewership in that respect but the press are the folks who make E3 E3 like absolutely all the stuff that you get when you go home that's all IGN that's all GameSpot that's all Spawn on Me that's all constantly that's all the folks who are going to be at those places doing that work bringing you information home um, to put them in a spot where they have to then fight with folks who they're going to pay to cover the show that's mm-hmm. weird. That's super weird. I don't know yeah, how you get around me- that. No, the paid media thing is just the weirdest crap right now. I, 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 I straight up don't have like a, a deep opinion on it because I keep reading it and my brain just like turns off at one point. Every, I, I, since I've been reading it since like was it was yesterday or whatever. Uh, every time I try to read over this, I'm just like, what? <laughs> um, it's I, I, I don't, I. Like to an extent, I get it because again, business—they're trying to get positive, whatever you know—to to make E3 still seem valued. I guess I, that's the best I can get out of this. But at the same time, it's just like, what? What is this? It almost feels like a weird sort of like crossing a picket line kind of thing, being a traditional media versus paid media for this kind of thing. I mean, here's here's the last uh, point that I'll kind of dig into on this Please. before before we uh, give you the floor to plug away all the stuff you're going to be doing. Um, I, I feel like we're getting into this new space where, again, they're still trying to figure out how they want to balance the ideas around influencers and the way that they want to um, cultivate a new show because e3 is on the decline e3 as a show is on the decline like it's not doing as well as it used to do for multiple reasons one it's been trying to fight packs forever and they just haven't gotten there yet to the 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 way that information is disseminated across different versions of uh the the gaming industry has been very different youtubers and instagram stars and twitch stars have have been the new go-between in that space to be able to get you the information you need about the games that you do um but it is also one of those things where um they're gonna have to figure out one how to get better and smarter but they're also really gonna have to try to figure out how to build their new version of a show that's going to work well with a whole bunch of people in it. That's going to actually be funneled in the ways that you need it to work. Because I remember the first year they let fans in, it was a monster out there. It was madness out there Mm -hmm. uh, trying to figure out how that stuff worked. So let's hope that they figure out how to make that work. Cause I feel like there is space for it. Um, And I'm excited for the possibility of them being able to, um, do some of that stuff, but they have a long way to go uh, in I mean, terms of making that stuff happen. 
They do, and hey, you know, Tuesdays, apparently, industry uh, influencers and media get their own day, so... Mm-hmm. That'll, okay. that'll, that'll be cool. We'll see, we'll see what happens when it comes to that stuff. If Plus they can... cute-tainment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, if they can pull it off, then that's going to be really dope, but who knows yet. So... Yeah. If you, uh, before we let you go, before we get up out of here for episode 308, I got to give you some love. I got to give you the stage to be able to talk about all the stuff that you're working on, uh, all the things that you're doing with constantly calibrating and all the other stuff that you bring to the podcasting and gaming table. So Josh, the show and the floor is yours. Take it away. Oh, you're so sweet. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm Josh Silverman, co-founder of Constantly Calibrating, a podcast network. We uh, stream off of Mixer, mixer.com slash concalpod. Uh, all of our VOD stuff goes up uh, youtube.com slash concalpod as well. And, yeah, primarily what we did in iTunes, Spotify, you name it, podcasts are, you know, on, on just about every service. Uh, so yeah, we have our three main shows every Tuesday night. We do uh, the constantly calibrating podcast at 5:30 p.m. Pacific. We're actually doing a special episode this Sunday, I believe, at 1 p.m. Pacific, uh, with this gentleman, Khalif Adams. Who is, me? Is actually, me? Yeah, you. What? You. What? Uh, you are you are episode 299. Nice. Uh, constantly calibrating podcast. You, you're uh, yeah you, you're right before the the episode 300, which will be this coming Tuesday. And I'm bringing back every person who's ever been a host or co-host of uh, Constant Calibrating for... Honestly, I don't even know what to expect. <laughs> it's it's going to be a thing. My co-founder and I haven't done any podcast stuff, I think, since 2013 together. So Really? Uh, yeah, uh, we had a little bit of a falling out. So it'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting show. It's going to be him, myself. And most of the rest of my normal crew and a few other people. Uh, yeah, we're just going to see where the, the evening takes us. We do uh, the Catch-All Gaming Podcast, Constantly Calibrating is essentially Water Cooler, which is uh, 5 p.m. Pacific on uh, Wednesday nights. And then uh, every Saturday, yeah, every Saturday, we have the release of the S-Rank Support Podcast, our Fire Emblem, uh, right now Three Houses specifically podcast. We want to grow it into a Fire Emblem book club of sorts, but Ooh, that nice. depends on... Yeah, yeah, it depends on you all, the listeners uh, out there. So all these things go up uh, on YouTube as well as, as I said, all the other uh, platforms. Uh, I take you go to constantcalibrating.com, but uh, GoDaddy has kind of screwed me over right now <laughs> on, a, on a server migration. So that site is just... Mm, it's a yep. thing. So uh, twitter.com slash concalpod is the best place to find stuff. And I'm uh, at Bear Punch. Nice. And then otherwise, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it for the, the business side of things and what we do. And then I'm just trying to find work uh, <laughs> in the game industry as me personally. But uh, if you want to go just uh, listen, uh, well, watch me in general, I'll be coming back to streaming uh, personally in October. Uh, Mixer.com slash Bear Punch. That's my personal brand. I stream a lot of Final Fantasy 14 and then whatever I'm reviewing for Constant Calibrate. Badass. You are again, as always. One of the best people in the industry. It makes me so happy to have had you on the show tonight. It makes me so excited to have you rock in with almost 2,400 people in the channel Khalif, tonight. What is, if, you, if anyone's been noticing me every now and again, like doing this, because I'm having like a momentary panic attack where I'm just like, oh. It's, it's pretty dope to have all these new uh, folks checking out Burkago tonight. Again, thank you everyone in the chat for hanging out with us tonight. A couple of quick notes um, before we get up out of here is, and please stick around because we're definitely going to raid some folks. Um, 
I'm going to be at TwitchCon this week. Uh, when this goes up on Tuesday, uh, I will be hosting and moderating five different panels on Saturday. I'll be going from 10 a.m. in the Frankers Theater to around 6 p.m. that day, moderating, wild, <laughs> moderating five different panels. So if you're going to be at TwitchCon, please uh, hashtag let car rest. Yes, sweet Jesus. Um, so if you're watching here on Twitch now, please follow the channel. Please subscribe uh, to us here over on uh, Twitch, but also please watch us over on uh, Twitch channel because they're going to stream every panel that I'm going to be moderating. So we're going to be talking to folks who are in the medical field about ways that you can uh, be better about your streaming. We're going to talk about uh, upping your presentation game with some folks as well. We're going to talk about charity stuff with our dope folks, Data Dave and T-Rex specifically. Uh, we have a whole bunch of different uh, panels that I'm going to be moderating and rocking the stage. And then Sunday, if you are still at TwitchCon in San Diego, make sure you come to Spawn on Me Live. We'll be rocking with Miss DJM, my man Hazy Rome in the in the chat right now from Able Gamers, and the one man myth the legend, the man with the worst taste in music in the video game industry, Paris Lily from Gamertag Radio. Uh, we'll be rocking with him as well, doing a live version of this show from the Twitch Unity Lounge. So again, thank you everybody for coming and checking out the show. Mad love to you all in the chat and we say peace. The Spawn on Me podcast can be found every Tuesday on all podcast platforms and Portland radio at xray.fm at 107.1 slash 91.1. You can find us live every Thursday on twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me. If you want to reach out to us on the show, you can hit us up on our site, spawnonme.com, where you can find all our social media information about our Twitter, Instagram, and everything else alongside our contact page if you want to reach out and shoot us a message or a business inquiry. Much love to you all. Thank you so much for listening every week. And we say... Peace.